from Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. Hello there, I'm Graham VK4BB with the national news from the Wireless Institute of Australia. The amateur radio on the International Space Station had outstanding success with many receiving its slow-scan TV images that started Thursday, July 20 and went on for several days. However, news just in is that the packet radio module in the Columbus module has failed after being in orbit for 17 years. RS is looking for a solution, but warns it will be out of action for several months. We'll take a heavenly look in this edition with further news. There is a new ISS ham in Expedition 53 on board and a story on the newly orbited DSAT. Now, DSAT is a three-unit CubeSat designed to be the first satellite in history that will come back to the Earth. The ACMA is looking at microwave spectrum. The Australian Communications and Media Authority is planning for the arrival of the revolutionary 5G mobile technology. Acting ACMA Chairman Richard Bean, in a speech entitled Unwired Revolution, said nearly everyone accepts that standardisation and spectrum harmonisation for 5G technology is still at the formative stage. However, 5G is expected to bring super-fast mobile broadband networks, support the Internet of Things and be ultra-reliable for applications, including remote control of industrial and medical processes. The key question is... What brands are likely to be used for 5G in particular, or wireless broadband more generally? There will be pressure on all microwave bands used by amateur radio, with the ACMA already looking at 3.6 gigs, 5.6 and 47 gigahertz as possible candidate bands. These ACMA reviews will take some years, but the theme is that spectrum shared by amateur radio at present is not certain in this rapidly changing technological world. The area is closely watched locally by the Wireless Institute of Australia and globally through the International Amateur Radio Union. In the text edition of this broadcast is the URL with more information on the July 20 speech. From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. International news with thanks to IARU, RSGB, SARL, Southgate Amateur Radio Club, ARRL, Amateur Radio Newsline, NZART, WIA Local News Service VK7, VK3 Papa Charlie and the worldwide sources of the WIA. I'm Jason, VK2LAW. Spectrum pollution and intruders put urban radio in doubt. The International Amateur Radio Union Region 1 told the Ham Radio 2017 Friedrich Schaffen Conference opening ceremony of the need to be more vigilant to pollution and intrusions on our bands. IARU Region 1 President Don Beatty, Golf 3 Bravo Juliet, said the pressures are so intense from other radio services that amateur radio needs to work very hard to ensure that we continue to enjoy privileged access to parts of the spectrum. The IARU is the only organisation representing us at the regional telecommunications organisations meetings and the ITU World Radio Communications Conference in 2019. 
A second part to the IARU core work is spectrum protection. Don G3BJ said he's deeply concerned about our ability to maintain a usable radio spectrum in some parts of suburban Europe. Amateur radio spectrum allocations are of little value if they are made unusable by the presence of multiple sources of interference, be it electrical interference or intruders. Don G3BJ said the IARU is deeply involved in the work of the international standards organisations, arguing for common sense in the setting of emission standards for electrical and electronic devices. He highlighted major concerns facing the IARU being solar photovoltaic arrays, wind generators, digital devices, VDSL+, and wireless power transfer technology. Some would say that even with the work that we're involved in on standards, much of the radio spectrum is becoming unusable in the suburban environment, adding he personally has sympathy with this view. He also praised the work of the IARU monitoring system, but more intruder watch observers were desperately needed. The URL of the full speech is in the text edition of this and last week's broadcast. Flight reaches Pago Pago. The commemorative around-the-world flight marking 80 years since the disappearance of aviator Amelia Earhart is heading home. Brian Lloyd, Whiskey Bravo 6 Romeo, Quebec November, the 62-year-old pilot, has reported all is well after sorting out the reason for an earlier aborted flight out of Hamilton in New Zealand's North Island a week earlier. He advised that the test flight had confirmed the earlier fault was a combination of a partial blockage in the fueling system and vapour lock, where the fuel had vaporised before reaching the engine. The plane flew perfectly across the Pacific Ocean to the international airport at Pago Pago, although it had to change altitude due to ice. From Pago Pago to... Well, here's our news editor, VK4 Baker Baker, Graham, to take up the story of this epic flight. At Pago Pago, July 23, he was greeted by a news reporter for an interview, then got the latest weather information with Ellie from the National Weather Service finishing her shift. She took him to the downtown restaurant for a meal of Samoan ochre, or rockfish. Brian WB6RQN said the next stage was the hardest leg of the trip, and it was going to push both the plane and me to the limit of our abilities. He explained the single-engine propeller-driven spirit was fully fueled, including three hours flying time of reserve fuel, because there are scant alternatives should problems mount up for any reason. Then, after leaving Pago Pago, just before sunrise, with about 19 hours ahead, there was the planned flyover of Howland Island, dropping a floral wreath where Earhart and her navigator, Fred Noonan, tried unsuccessfully to land. Brian, WB6RQN in reflection, said... After having flown literally 28,000 miles in her shoes, my respect for her has risen a thousandfold. Brian, WB6RQN, headed for Hawaii, landing at the Honolulu Airport July 25. After an overnight stay, he took off again July 26, passing over the historic Pearl Harbor sites on his final flight over the Pacific Ocean to Oakland, California. Of arriving in Oakland, he told reporters in Hawaii of looking forward to that particular moment. I don't plan to kiss the ground, but I may do a little dance when I get there. The two-month flight began on June 1 and has included 20 countries. Keeping him company on the New Zealand Pago Pago flight via amateur radio was Stewie, VK8 November Sierra Bravo, who met the pilot when in Darwin. WB6RQN 
was on the 15 metre and 20 metre bands with VKs, ZLs and a couple of American stations making the contact. New ISS Ham in Expedition 53. European Space Agency's Polo, Italy Zulu Zero Juliet Papa Alpha and a NASA astronaut and Russian cosmonaut are headed for the International Space Station. Paulo IZ0JPA was previously with Expedition 27 that ended 157 days in space in May 2011. During that time he spoke to 45 schools and set a new ARIS record for a single astronaut. His enthusiasm struck a chord with the younger generation and a repeat of that is expected. On arrival the trio will be met by the current Expedition 52 crew commander Theodore. Romeo November 3, Foxtrot India, and flight engineers Peggy, X, Kilo Charlie 5, Zulu Tango Delta, and Jack, Kilo 2, Foxtrot Sierra Hotel. NASA says the existing crew will continue work on hundreds of biology, biotechnology, physical science, and earth science experiments. The plan is that crew members will return to Earth in December. A revised FCC Form 605 Quick Form Application for Authorisation in the Ship, Aircraft, Amateur, Restricted and Commercial Operator and General Mobile Radio Services going into effect in September will ask all applicants to indicate if they have been convicted of or pled guilty to a felony. The Communications Act obliges the Commission to ask the felony question as it did on the old Form 610 and still does on other applications. This action will correct its omission on Form 605, which has existed for years. Applicants' responses and explanations will be used to determine eligibility to be a Commission licensee. The FCC told ARRL that it's still deciding whether to issue a public notice on the change. For those sitting any US examination in Australia, be careful how you answer. VK4BB, our editor, when aged about 18, applied for a broadcasting position with the ABC in Papua New Guinea and answered yes to the question, do you have any convictions? Graham's never forgotten, a parking fine is not a conviction and no, he didn't get the job. For WIA National News in Sydney, I'm Jason, VK2LAW. Across Australia from VK1 WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service. In VK5, it can be heard on 28515 at 0900 Central Standard Time. I'm Jeff, VK5 HEL. Camera Operational News, it's Contact Sport. I'm Felix, VK4 FUQ. All major Australian contest rules and results are on the contest section of the WIA website. 2017. January 1, December 31, the Victorian Local Government Award 2017 Challenge. 1010 International Summer Contest, August 5 and 6. VK1 Winter Soda QSA Party takes place August 6, 2017, 9am to 11.30am. WA's Flagship Contest, the Remembrance Day Contest, 12th and 13th of August. August 1920, IRWW, the third full weekend in August since 1998. August 26th, Lara Contest, start time 1600 hours. This is a 24 hour contest for YLs. IARU High Speed Telegraphy World Championships are the 8th to the 12th of September. October CQ WWDX SSB Contest, always October's last full weekend. CQ announced the rule changes for 2017 CQ Worldwide SSB and CW events. 
CQ has announced updates to its rules for the CQ Worldwide SSB and CW contest, and said complete rules will be published soon. The changes clarify the definition of multi-operator, single transmitter, spell out club definitions and residency requirements, restrict IT Region 1 stations transmitting frequencies on 40 and 160 metres, address audio recording requirements, and impose grade penalties for so-called rubber clocking. Running over the end of the contest because your clock was off is not rubber clogging. Rubber clogging is when you change by a minute or two the log time on QSO surrounding a band change. This was done to make it appear that you spent the required 10 minutes on the new band before changing to another. The clock's accuracy in this case moved back and forth, hence the term rubber. The SSB weekend is October 29-30. The CW weekend is November 26-27. The Air Adventures of VK4KG VK4KG, the amateur radio station based at the RAF Townsville Aviation Heritage Centre, is planning a number of operations over the next few weeks. Here is another look at the latest revised schedule for the 75th anniversary of the bombing of Townsville for Sunday onwards. Sunday 30th of July, 0900 hours to 2100 hours local, RAF Townsville Aviation Heritage Centre. Saturday, Sunday, August 12.13, a Roman State Contest operating from the radio shack at the RAF Aviation Heritage Centre. The Special Event Station GB4RME will operate from inside the Royal Mint in Landresant, Wales from the 30th of July until the 5th of August 2017. Tim V6SH is signing V29SH from the island of Antigua from the 23rd of July to the 5th of August. This is a holiday-style operation and will be mainly on 30 metres and 17 metres. QSLs go via the home call V6SH. SC40VIC may be of interest to prefix chases. This is a special event station to celebrate the 40th birthday of the Swedish Crown Princess Victoria. The station will be on the air until the end of 2017. QSL manages SM6JSM. For VK1WIA National News, I'm Felix VK4FUQ Inningham. From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. Media watching we go and this note in from VK6GX is worthy of a share in this period where propagation is a little hit and miss. It refers to our news of last Sunday morning. Excellent propagation on top band this morning with an all-time distance record broken, 1,650 kilometres to Broome, VK8RC, Portable 6 and many other country stations. The previous best was 1,000 kilometres to Coral Bay and my callback record broken with 26 callbacks on the top band. Well done. A little higher than the top band on 6.07 kilohertz, this note in from Europe. Radio Dark broadcasts the IARU Region 1 conference. Shortwave broadcaster Radio Dark, D-A-R-C, has announced how it will cover the IARU Region 1 conference in September. From 16 through to 22, the IARU Region 1 conference will take place near Munich, Germany, where the 96 member societies will discuss issues related to the amateur radio service. Radio Dark will report current news on the conference in six daily special shortwave transmissions to keep the IARU Region 1 ham radio audience up to date. The programs will be in the English language. 
Several transmitters and shortwave bands will be used to allow reception in different target regions, and the broadcasting partner is the Austrian Broadcasting Transmitters Corporation in Moosbrum, near Vienna. Radio Dark is the weekly magazine of the German Amateur Radio Club with three broadcasts on 6.070 kHz. Across Australia, from VK1WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service. In the Hunter Valley, it's relayed on 146.775 MHz and 3.565 MHz at 9.30am and 7.30pm Sundays. On behalf of Westlake's Amateur Radio Club Incorporated, I'm Greg, VK2CW. Hi, I'm Brian, VK3GR, with this week's worldwide special interest group news, starting with ATV, where every picture tells a story, and the story this week is ARIS's 20th anniversary. The amateur radio on the International Space Station, ARIS, had outstanding success with many receiving its slow-scan TV images that started on Thursday, July 20th and went for several days. ARIS Australian coordinator Shane, VK4KHZ, says he's aware that several VK radio amateurs received all 12 images in the series. The SSTV images showed the 20 years of ARIS activities and are a testament to the dedication of those who participated in the events. When it was announced, there were concerns that there would be insufficient time to receive all images, but this was not supported by the facts. Shane VK4KHZ says the SSTV slides included those of astronauts supported by Australian ground stations while on the ISS. Now moving to digital, move over JT65 for a new kid on the block. The digital mode FT8 has caught on, luring many using the popular JT65 weak signal mode. The WSJTX 1.8.0 beta software has this FT8 mode described as fast, with an entire QSO taking about a minute, which is four times faster than JT65. Developed by Stephen K9AN and Joe K1JT, the name FT8 stands for its creators Frank and Taylor and 8 frequency shift keying modulation. Using a 15-second transmit and receive sequences, it provides 50% or better decoding probability down to minus 20 dB. An auto-sequencing option can also respond automatically to a CQ call decoded reply. An excellent HF DXing mode and multi-hop sporadic e-propagation on 6 meters, where deep fading may make fast and reliable QSO completion desirable. Some are comparing FT8 use to that of JT65 and believe more are on air trying the new one now. Now Worldwide Special Interest Group's Final Frontier DSAT Satellite Update. Alessio IU5CRE reports the CubeSat DSAT is now fully operational. On the AMSAT bulletin board he writes, Three years ago I started work with Deorbit, an Italian aerospace company on an ambitious CubeSat mission called DSAT. DSAT is a three-unit CubeSat designed, built and operated by D-Orbit, and it will be the first satellite in history that will come back into Earth's atmosphere in a safe and controlled way by means of a dedicated solid rocket motor and burn-up instead of becoming new debris. DSAT was launched on June 23, 2017, into a 500-kilometre sun-synchronous orbit from Indian SHAR. 
DSAT is now fully operative in orbit and is hosting three communication experiments in collaboration with an Italian university and local ham radio communities. For more information on DSAT, you can visit the mission's website where you will also find a page entirely dedicated to radio hams where you can download the software necessary for the reception of DSAT signals. We really hope you will consider joining us. Also, you have any questions about the mission, don't hesitate to ask. Thank you all for your time and consideration. Sincerely, Alessio, IU5CRE. And that's the news in the final frontier. Now to International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend, the 300th ILLW registration, the Lobster Cove Head Lighthouse VO10K in Newfoundland, Canada is the milestone 300th registration in this year's International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend. This is the fourth year at that lighthouse with Michael VO1OK, joined by David VO1LDM and Nizar VO2NS, with Parks Canada permission to shelter inside the building. Michael VO1OK said the activation sees many visitors attracted to the lighthouse and historical displays, including the famed tide clock. The public will be learning about amateur radio as well, which is one of the aims of this fun event. Overlooking the rocky harbour, it will have a 100-watt transceiver with an N-fed antenna for 40-20-10 and a 12-metre-tall mast. All lighthouses and lightships for 2017 are listed, with Germany in the lead on 51, closely followed by the USA 48 and Australia on 39 registrations. There are about 40 countries registered so far in the 20th annual fun event held this August 19th and 20th. And the last one from me, Worldwide Special Interest Group's Rescue Radio. This weekend in the Townsville area, it's the Magnetic Island Swim taking place. This swim from 6.30am, Strand Park, Sunday 30th July. Then in August in the north, it's the WRERA Yuri Gold Farm's Winter Harvest Horse Endurance Ride, Saturday 19th through Sunday the 20th of August, and the TCAC King of the Hill Hill Climb Heat 3 Com Support, that's for Sunday August 27th on the Mount Stewart Road. Handing it back to Graham in the studio, I'm Brian, VK3GR, signing off for this week. Across Australia from VK1 WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service. In Adelaide, South Australia, it can be heard on 476 kHz lower sideband at 9am on Sunday mornings. I'm Steph, VK5FQ. On the social scene, August 27 in VK2, it's Sarkfest Show, Tell and Sell Day. September 9 in VK4 it's Sunfest held at the Wombai School of Arts Building 9am. Also September 9 through to the 10th in VK4 Cairns, Alaramite. September 10 in VK3 Shepparton Hamfest, St Augustine's Hall, Ore Street. September 29 through to October 2 VK4 Cardwell Gathering. October 29 VK3 Yarra Valley Amateur Radio Group's Hamfest 10am. November 5, VK3 Barg Hamvention, Greyhound Racing Track Ballarat. November 12 in VK5, it's the Adelaide Hills Amateur Radio Society's Hamfest, an early one this, 8am. And November 12 in VK3, Rosebud's annual celebration of all things amateur radio. Now it's time for our final, final. Hello listeners, this is Greg, VK2GPK, one of the relatively new directors of the WIA with this week's comment from the board. 
In our first 60 days as a majority new board, we've been coming up to speed on the various facets of the WIA's operation, improving board decision transparency, opening up the committee volunteer process, and implementing a new board governance structure. Some of these changes are already visible, such as publishing board minutes for the monthly board meetings, now advertising volunteer vacancies on the SEEK volunteer website, or the policy of no directors leading or chairing operational committees. However, other changes will become more apparent over time as we focus on the higher priority issues. As the saying goes, Rome wasn't built in a day. Your constructive input, of course, is always welcome. I'd also remind WI members that we are a volunteer organisation, a true DIY do-it-yourself operation, and we always need your help and time to keep this respected 100-year-plus organisation viable in its role as the focal advocate protecting the rights and the RS spectrum for the radio amateur cohort. So look for volunteer roles as they come up. With apologies to the late JFK, don't ask what the WIA can do for you, ask what you can do for the WIA. We definitely have some real challenges to deal with over the coming months which we are approaching with appropriate caution to ensure we have done the research, inform members and consider the impacts, the feedback and the implications of the various improvement options. I will touch on one of the major challenges a little later. On board governance, we have adopted the corporate best practice approach based on the ASX governance guidelines and have constituted two board subcommittees. These committees are Audit and Risk, and the strategy subcommittee. Subcommittees differ from the operational committees as they operate as an extension of the board, have the delegated authority of the board and exist solely to assist the board manage the organisation. These governance subcommittees are the only committees to be led by board members and include a minimum of two board members for continuity, plus volunteers with relevant expertise. The board does not abdicate any board responsibility to the subcommittees. They are simply to assist the board to meet its fiduciary obligations and provide extra input by sharing some of the board workload. We have yet to call for volunteers for these particular subcommittees following finalisation of the terms of reference for each committee. I think there has been some confusion seen in social media comments about the subcommittees, especially in that they are chaired by a board member which seem to conflict with the board platform of not having operational committees chaired by board members. Hopefully I've explained how board committees are quite different and distinct from the operational committees and are only concerned with the effective running of the WI board. One thing I should mention is that the terms of reference of these subcommittees will state that any volunteer must be truly independent and cannot have other volunteer roles within WIA to avoid any perception, real or perceived, of conflict of interest. I'm now going to talk about the WIA's financial position. Bear with me, as this is very important. The WIA has limited financial resources. About 80 to 85% of its revenue comes from 4,200 or so members through membership fees. The rest comes from fees for exams and licence management, sales of WIA books such as a core book, some minor advertising sales from AR Magazine and some admin cost recovery from ACMA. 
This revenue amounts to just on $500,000 a year, which to an individual member sounds a lot, but there are large expenses in running the WIA. These were documented in the last WIA financial report for the financial year 2016-2017. The largest expense is the 11 editions a year of the AR magazine, closely followed by the office staff expenses. Just these two expenses alone account for two-thirds of the expenses of the WIA last year. Last year, AR magazine cost over $180,000 and the office around $120,000. So $300,000 and we haven't included the costs of keeping the office open, electricity rates, the many insurance policies now required. Then there are the part-time bookkeeper costs, usually one day a week, accountant fees and auditor fees, plus a multitude of smaller amounts. Why am I mentioning this? Because the WIA is running at a loss, and has been for the previous two years. Its expenses exceed the revenue by about $50,000 a year. Over the last two years, the WIA has used $90,000 of its prior cash reserves to maintain its operation as a going concern. This obviously cannot continue as we are on a five-year runway towards insolvency if this is not corrected, and it will be. Unless we can increase membership by around 10 to 15%, around 500 new members, then there is no alternative other than to cut expenses and almost certainly some services. Reviewing the audited financial results from last year, the new board has found no evidence of systemic expense abuse or fraud. The social media claims of WIA-funded directors' overseas trips are just that, baseless claims. In fact, the total director expenses for last year were around $3,000, of legitimate WIA-specific expenses, or well less than 1% of revenue. These expenses include WIA-required director training at around $600 per director. As volunteer directors, we cover our own travel and out-of-pocket expenses. The root cause of the losses is the expenses have risen significantly faster than revenue over the last five or six years. There are only two fixes and they are not mutually exclusive, increased revenue and or cut expenses. Looking at expenses first, following a recent on-site review by three directors a few weeks ago, there is no practical scope to reduce the office staff below the current two FTE or full-time equivalents. In fact, these staff are overcommitted and only just coping with the administration workload. In the past, the office operated with a minimum of three full-time staff, that would be a much more sustainable staff complement to cope with the workload, peaks, the leave, illness, etc. To assist the current staff, we dropped the phone contact hours from six to five hours a day. A very small change, admittedly, but to allow them more time to do the admin tasks. It would help as much as is possible if members wishing to contact the WI office use email, as it is much more efficient in the use of their time especially if they have to refer a query to a volunteer member for resolution. Looking at the AR magazine, potentially the elephant in the room, its printing and production costs have risen from around $120,000 a few years ago to $180,000 last year. The option of ceasing production of the hard copy is not seen as a first course of action or even a desirable action as we gain a lot of exposure to future amateurs from the hard copy of the magazine in news agents and the majority of members that we have asked prefer the hard copy version 
although there is a higher rate of preference for the digital version with younger members. But in the absence of new re revenue, we have to get the cost back to the prior levels. The publication team have been asked to identify cost savings, and they have, but not to the level that would be achieved by reducing um, by the current number of 11 editions a year to, say, six. We have made no decision as yet on reducing the number of AR editions, but we wanted the membership to understand and share our struggle with keeping the WIA viable. And we need more volunteers, so keep an eye for the new roles. Thanks for listening. Greg, VK2GPK. From Australia, this has been VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service. On RF, we thank our rebroadcast team and you for listening. And remember, internet streaming and text of this news is available 24-7 at wia.org.au.